Well, here we are, another week. A lot's happened, and uh, this is I'm okay, you're okay, I'm not okay, you're not okay. It's me and Bob Schneider. Hey! 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 I'm just yeah. going to start doing that now, just throwing in some, hey, I had a colonoscopy yesterday. Hey! Here's the way my brain works. As soon as you say colonoscopy, I immediately, I see your butt. Yeah. Which I've never seen. I've never seen your butt. You lie. In my brain, I'm seeing it like you were sitting in front of me with your butt in front of me, in my mind. And now there's something in your butt, and there's a man holding the thing that's in your butt, and he's in and out, in and out. Okay, when are hold we going to start talking wait, about wait, the hold, colonoscopy, hold, though? Hold, hold up real quick. Really? Hey, everybody. Welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay. I'm not okay. You're not okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. <laughs> but I swear to God, dude, so... Like that's that's the thing that I hate the most about the Louis Louis C.K. thing is not what he did, just the fact that now I have video imagery or I just have this imagery of him holding his weird pink, like <laughs> like red tipped dick with freckles and his and his fucking silvery orange pubic hair masturbating. And I'm like, I don't want that image. Zippity doo da. Zippity don't da. <laughs> God damn. Fuck that. Well, you know, uh, he Isabel pointed out to me like he always told jokes about jerking off, you know? It was like he was putting that image in our heads all the time. His little red peppermint t- red tic tac penis. Yeah. So well Yeah, but it's one thing to tell a joke about it. It's another thing, you know. To actually hear that it happened, it just makes it more real. It's another thing to do it in a super unfunny way. Did you see what Sarah Silverman came out like? This was after the scandal, but it's like she was trying to like she waited for the for the um the fire to die down, and then she came out and she basically said that he the thing he did. He, so I guess he had a penchant for jerking off like on the phone with people, right. and she said that he did that with her, and she just let yeah. him do it because she thought it was funny, right. Oh man, it's gross. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm actually going to Google this because it that wasn't a joke, right? She meant it. Uh, probably. Here's my flowchart: Sarah Silverman, Louis C.K. jerk off. That's what I just typed into the old browser. Sarah Silverman says Louis C.K. masturbated in front of her. This is from Variety. Oh, in front of her, not just on the phone, but with her consent. It says, yeah. Ooh. Sarah Silverman said comedian Lucy K used to master used to masturbate in front of her with her permission. She said this on Howard Stern. She says, I don't know if I'm gonna regret saying this. I've known Louis forever. I'm not making excuses for him, so please don't take it that way. We're peers, we're equals. When we were kids and he asked if he could masturbate in front of me, sometimes I'd go, Fuck yeah, I want to see that. It's not analogous to the other women that are talking about what he did to them. He could offer me nothing. We were only just friends. So sometimes, yeah, I wanted to see it. It was amazing. Sometimes I would say, Fucking no, gross, and we went and got pizza. Wow. Yeah, that's what people do. That's what adults do, dude. Adults do adult things. <laughs> I feel like we should call our podcast Adults Do Adult Shit. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, yes, you're right. I mean, like adults who are doing consensual things that aren't hurting anybody, That's that falls into that category for sure. It sounds like he ended up blurring the line, you know? I mean, obviously he did. He blurred the line between asking his buddy Sarah, who didn't work for him, and sometimes she'd say yes, sometimes she'd say no. 
you fast forward however many years later and he's one of the biggest working comedians in the world with people who look up to him and work for him and he's got he's in he's involved in this new power structure and he's still the guy that likes to jerk off in front of people so you get you got the clashing of those two worlds right and the reason i know that is because he wrote a letter detailing exactly what he did wrong and how he's not going to do that anymore and how he's going to learn and listen and instead of him being embraced which he should have been because that's what you want you want people to go oh that was wrong oh thank you for pointing it out now i see how wrong it was now i see the harm that i've done I'm going to change. I am different and I'm going to proceed in a careful, more reliable way as a human being. You embrace that guy and go, hooray, hooray. Let's, let's enjoy your comedy. Let's enjoy you as you're part of the movement. Instead, they're like, cancel. It's like, that is the thing you don't do because now anybody who wants to fucking change their ways and make amends can't do it because they know they're going to get canceled. So yeah. you're f- fucking yourself when you do that. Well, the message definitely to people who want to be part of the solution and not the problem was <laughs> you keep your mouth shut if you've done any of this in the past. There will be no forgiveness. But it did. It, it is sending a message to people who might do it in the future. Like, you should not do that. I do think that there is some net benefit of like... I do think this whole Me Too thing has changed the course for women in a positive way that makes me happy for my daughter. I agree. I I think of it like you weren't around in the eighties, but in the eighties there was this big PC thing, which is very similar to this where people were like, Oh, you can't use like ethnic slurs and stuff like that. And you can't be right. You can't be right. It was racism. He was like, you can't be racist all the time. uh, Even if it's funny. And people are like, oh, man, what are you talking about? A bunch of fucking pussies and stuff. And now if you look at that shit from the 70s, you're just like, god damn, that shit was fucked up and racist. And the same thing is going to, like, people are going to look back on the 80s and 90s and they're going to, at culture, and they're going to go, god damn, these people were fucking sexist, horrible misogynists. So eventually we'll seep into the culture and then people will change and people will be more respectful towards women and it it is a good thing ultimately it's just like come on like figure it out like in the 70s there was that big you know feminist movement where like we're women we we, you know we need to be burn your bras and dudes are like yeah burn your bras bitches (laughs) burn them Let's see them titties. It's like uh, you're it's to wear two bras. If you if you really want to be taken seriously, multiple bras. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> oh shit. I'm well, s- I'm serious though. I'm serious. Well, I mean, look, here's you know the, the sort of militant neo-feminist thing. What here here's one of the problems of that is you had a lot of women at the time who we're maybe like, hey, I'm not going to burn my bra today. Uh, I love, obviously, I'm a woman and I care about the future of women. Maybe not going to burn my bra. Those movements get so uh, tribal that they'll turn on those chicks. You know what I mean? Like the woman who doesn't burn her bra is suddenly anti-feminist. You know what I'm saying? So the, we've talked about this a lot. This is a thread on our show all the time. This is the lack of nuance 
Anytime you're joining a movement, whether it's that kind of 70s burn your bra shit, or whether it's fucking P90X, or veganism, or vegetarianism, or whatever, you know, the, sec- the second that your identity gets subsumed into a movement, you're not a human being anymore. You're, you know, you're losing all the things that make human beings interesting, which is contradiction and uh, messiness and the ability to evolve and change your mind, et cetera, and, and, have, right. and have conversations that are challenging and stimulating instead of the hive mind, you know? Well, not everything is one thing. Everything, there's exceptions to everything. Everything is about perspective. Like you can, the one thing that's horrible in one situation, you can look at it in a different situation and go, that's not that horrible. Or right. no, that's much more horrible. It just depends. Let's dip into a few emails here. <clears throat> um, we have an email address, bobandclint at gmail.com. We read all of these. We appreciate everyone who listens to the show, which, by the way, if you dig the show and you haven't yet, go leave us a positive review on iTunes. It only takes a second, and it goes a long way. We're competing with a lot of different people who make podcasts. And Wait, wait. What, are you, there's other people making podcasts? There are, I'm told there are 10 to 15 additional podcasts in the world simultaneous uh, to ours. So, mm, Motherfuckers. Trying to copy our good ideas. Jason Beret, who I recognize from Metal Your Podcast. What's up, Jason? He writes, hey, Bob and Clint, love the impromptu discussion on this week's episode about disturbing films, as I've been on a bit of a kick myself with these days. He says, in some cases, I like to revisit movies from the past that disturbed me uh, in hopes of destroying the stigma that surrounded them for so many years. It helps that I finally found my groove when it comes to marijuana use, and that helps me take these films very less seriously. Um, so he's talking about Requiem for a Dream. He's talking about Martyrs. He's talking about the Willem Dafoe film, Antichrist, which was brutal. God damn, I hate that movie. He says, I'd love to hear your thoughts on these movies. So he's talking about, so we've already talked about Martyrs. Requiem for a Dream is a movie I would recommend, but a movie I would only see one time. Uh, Antichrist, I don't even know if I can recommend it. Lars von Trier is not a director that I resonate with. Fuck Lars von Trier. I completely agree. I, I watched the nymph, I watched Nymphomaniac one and two, and the whole time kind of like through my hands, like through slits in my fingers, and not in a good way. Dude, I just watched like a clip of it. I don't even know why I ended up watching. Like I don't know how I ended up there. I was like watching stuff, and then somehow ended up on a clip of Nymphomaniac, mm-hmm. and I was just reminded of how horrible that was. Yeah, it's interesting that he's. Um, gain so much traction as an auteur. Melancholia, I would say, is watchable. But I don't know. I think he gets a lot more credit than is due. Um, here's, the, here's, the pro- here's the problem with him. His films look really good. They look beautiful. Yeah, they do. You're right. And so people are... And the acting is pretty great. He gets great actors to be in his movies. But the content is fucking stupid as fuck. Yeah, it's like parading is something smart, but really the bottom of it is like those nymphomaniac movies was just kind of gross pornography. Um, Masquerading is art. Uh, Roy Brazino writes, hey, Clinton, Bob, thanks for all the laughs. I was able to binge through all episodes and it was awesome. Unfortunately, I'm down just to the one per week and it's kind of sad. Anyhow, my question is for Bob. Since the Antones on Fifth Street is closed, scab shows have been very rare. Are there any chances of scab shows in the future, or better yet, some ugly American shows? Keep up the awesome work. Clint, you're the best. Thanks for all the music. Roy B. Wow. So what do you, Wow, an ugly American show. That That's wild. 
Uh, no ugly American shows, no scab shows, unfortunately. No scab shows? I didn't know that. No. We did... So scabs kind of... I I told the scabs guys in 99, I was like, look, I'll give you guys one more year of doing it full-time, because I'd been doing scabs full-time from 95. It was sort of ugly Americans at first, and then it became the scabs, and the two were the same. And from 95 to about 2000, I was doing it full-time. So I told him in 99, I'm like, I'll give you guys one more year full-time, and then I'm going to be doing my thing. And after that, I'll still do some scab shows here and there. And so we were doing, I don't know, four or five shows a year in Austin, starting in about 2001. And then I think our last show we did maybe 2008, 2007, 2008, somewhere along the line, we were just doing the same show over and over again. And I was just like, it was the shows were not fun. Uh, there was some drug abuse, alcoholism in the band. The the people were unreliable. People didn't give a fuck. Like people just didn't care. And I was like, it's one thing when you're young to be in a band where a bunch of people are fucking not pro and just fucking up. And you know, like it got to the point where one of the guys who's now dead, he died a couple of years ago of of alcoholism. His his uh, liver. Uh, went bad and he died that guy was unable to stand up we had to put his chair on stage so he could sit down and I'm like "Mm, I'm not I'm not gonna play with these guys and I'm not gonna play without him you know I'm not gonna like pick and choose and just play without some of the guys I'm just like better just to not do this anymore so uh, after he died I was like I'm I'm done doing scab shows and ugly Americans those guys are all scattered to the wind uh, from that band and the fact of the matter is, I never liked Ugly Americans. I was playing in that band when I got sober. And in 95, when I stopped drinking, I was like, what's this band I'm in? Oh, this band <laughs> sucks all the dicks. So uh, I kept sucking the dicks with that band because we were signed. But eventually I was like, mm, the taste of these dicks is souring in my uh, Kool-Aid and Cherry Cola uh beverage mouth Hmm. unlike the luscious plump cock feeling that i got when i was drinking a lot of tequila (laughs) zip all right (laughs) wait wait hold on hold on let me do this one zip like a sad zip (laughs) it's the sad zip uh our homie eob has a couple of quick questions he says have you seen dr sleep yet any thoughts i have not seen dr sleep yet haven't seen it. Okay, cool. So we can't weigh in on that. He says, Bob, would you consider doing Kiss Cruise 10, and would you, Clint, consider joining him for that incredibly enjoyable and memorable shit show? Last chance to join the Kiss Navy all aboard. Peace, love, and rock and roll, EOB. I would do Kiss Cruise if it was you and me doing this podcast on the Kiss Cruise. I would do it 100%. <laughs> doing the podcast on the Kiss Cruise. Yeah, if it was, I'm okay, you're okay on the Kiss Cruise, you and me. Count me in. But if it's me playing on that Kiss Cruise, no, I don't think so. What if you, and, and you know, whether I could do it or not, let's take that off the table. What if you could go back and do it, but you could take the band? They wanted me to take the band, I think, originally. Okay. Uh, it would be, it would have been better with the band. But even with the band, I just, you know what it is? It's not the Kiss Cruise, because I'm telling you, like, the Kiss Cruise was great. The people were nice. Uh I, I, it was great to see my old management doc and all those guys. It was great to see Kiss play. It was great. I met some new people that were amazing. I saw uh, some incredible bands. All the people that I met on the cruise were super nice. Everything about it was nice. I just don't like being on the ocean. 
I'm not a goddamn sailor. <laughs> like, do I have a fucking patch over my eye? Do I have a hook where my hand is? No. No, but you do have a peg leg. I do. Well, I tried not to. I wasn't going to bring that I up. I know. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to out I didn't mean to out you. I'm a fucking landlubber. Have you seen The Endurance, dude? The Endurance. What is this? It's a documentary. Liam Neeson uh, narrates it. It's about the Shackleford expedition. Yeah, you've told me about this, where they died. They all died, but they found some footage or something. Nobody fucking dies, dude. Oh, all right. Well, yes, you've told me about it. Spoiler alert, nobody dies. Okay. they. I'm guessing they endured, yes? They take a boat to the south of the world in 19... Like somewhere before 1910, like 1902, maybe? I don't know. I'm making it up. Guess, guess, what, guess what there isn't at the south of the world during that period of time and now? Uh, I don't know. I can't. I, I literally don't know. Human beings, or aliens, or any sort of thing that's not a penguin or a shark. Okay. Guess what? There is a lot of uh, ice and snow. I see frio. Anyways, they go down there. They get stuck in the ice. The Sounds ice horrible. The ice fucks the boat like so they they're stuck in the ice and then the ice contracts and the whole boat just goes like a can until it's completely fucked and then guess what happens then uh i i don't know we gotta change the subject this is so boring this is so boring i might die (laughs) okay i know you might die but guess what happens then i don't know just tell me what 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 Quit making me guess things. God damn. I don't want to guess anything. What happens in the winter in the south of the world? Uh, your penis falls into a fucking well and, and Jesus Christ comes back from the dead again. Is that what happens? <laughs> yes, that happens. But besides that, that has nothing to do with the story. Uh, I don't know. They ate each other a la alive. It gets, it warms up and the ice that's holding your boat turns to seawater. Mush. But not just any old seawater. Icy cold, freezing seawater that consumes you, and then you become crab food. So they're sitting on this ice with no ship at the south of the world, and nobody's coming to get them. And guess what they got? Um, they I, all I'll, got, just, I'll just say, no, no, no. Guess what they got? I'll just I, tell I, you what You know they what? Got. I'm getting excited about the guessing game again. Let's keep, keep asking me to guess things. Guess what they got? They all got a new smartphone from Oprah, Oprah Winfrey. Is that what they got? Nope. But what they did have is the iPhone equivalent to 1903. They had a brand new spanking new movie camera. And so they're filming everything on this expedition. They're filming it all. So they're sitting there at the south of the world on this iceberg with their boat being fucked up day by after day with no food. And a bunch of dogs that they're killing off every couple days and eating. And knowing that eventually the ice is going to melt, they got no food and nobody's coming. Dude, it is one of the most amazing thing. One of the most amazing things I've ever seen. I can't recommend that movie highly enough. It sounds like something I would watch as punishment. That and the Great British Baking Show. This is all punitive viewing for me. Dude, the Great British Baking Show is the greatest fucking series besides Game of Thrones of all time. It's Game of Thrones number one, Great British Baking Show number two, greatest TV shows of all time. Wow. Okay. Greatest documentary of all time, The Endurance.
Wow. Now there's another one. It's about the endurance. Don't watch that one. Watch the one with Liam Neeson. It's called The Endurance. Yeah, this it's came out amazing. in 2000. A retelling of Sir Ernest Shackleton's ill-fated expedition to Antarctica in 1914 to 1916, featuring new footage of the actual locations and interviews with surviving relatives of key expedition members, plus archived audio interviews with expedition members and a generous helping of the footage and still photos shot on the expedition itself. Dude, the story is amazing. And all it, all I could think about when that thing was over was that I'm on terra firma. <laughs> terra firma, baby! So that whole story was to basically say we're not going to do Kiss Cruise 10. Dude, all I'm saying is no matter what's going on, no matter what's going on, I'm on terra firma. I'm on terra firma, baby. <laughs> Dude! I'm telling you, it made me grateful just to be standing on land. John Powers says in his subject, not okay. Clint, you owe me an apology. After spending an entire episode discussing some real shit, you negate it all because someone got offended. That's the problem. You're too woke. You're too willing to backtrack on what you were saying. If some dude was offended, it was probably because he hasn't worked out his own shit. It's not about nuance. Everything you said in the prior episode was right on. Please apologize for your apology. Oh, uh, Jesus. Well... I guess I can't please everybody. What what is he talking about? We got an on a previous episode there was an email from this guy named Christopher who basically was saying it was ironic that I was telling people to grow up and then I basically went on a thing about that. And now he's saying that I'm too woke because I apologize to that guy. So I think this guy's mostly joking, but in the spirit of his own email to me, instead of apologizing to him, I will now tell him to go fuck himself. Here's what you should never do, by the way. Ever. Ever, 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 ever. Okay. Use the word woke. Yeah. And, and, and just don't ever say that word. Unless you say, unless you're saying this, hey, I woke up. If you say that, great. Mm -hmm. Oh, hey, I woke the bear. I got my arm torn off. Oh, really? How was that? Sucked. That's fine, too. <laughs> but when you use it wrong... And say that you're woke? No. Say that you're awake. I'm fine with that. Maybe you're too awake. Say that. But don't say the word fucking woke. God damn it. Whenever anybody says the word woke, I don't give a fuck who's saying it. I'm angry. What I'm if, so angry. What if Liam Neeson says it about the endurance? Hey, <laughs> let me try to do my Liam Neeson. Yeah, let's hear it. Liam? Liam, is that you? On I'm Okay, You're I swear Okay? To God, dude, I didn't think I could do it. And then I was, I was, I was doing it. I was like, God damn it. I'm fucking nailing this shit. I thought Liam had fucking crashed into your That's studio right. and overtaken the podcast, dude. <laughs> Liam, Liam, what was it like? What was it like narrating the endurance? Wow, insightful. And what was it? Like? And what was it like? Keep going. You know what the story is about Liam Neeson? That he's got a gigantic cock. Only you would know that. <laughs> That's the story, though, dude. The story Supposedly. that who's telling? Who's telling that story to you, dude? It's the inside scoop, dude. I, you know me. I got, I got some inside Hollywood connections, dude. 
That's the deal, though. Supposedly well, he's got the. Giant I'm not going dick. to Google does Liam Neeson have a big dick. I'll 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 put that uh boundary on myself currently. I'll just take anyway. your fucking word for it. Right. Guess who proliferates the story that Liam Neeson has a big dick? His name's Liam Neeson. <laughs> hey, tell the story that they've got the big cock. That's not bad. Yeah, I know. I, say it, I, I, I do a good big it. cock, Liam Neeson. <laughs> Anyways. All right, here's one more email before we wrap this up. James Anchor writes, Bob Clint, so glad you do this each week. Love the stories and the banner. Great fun and nice to know it's behind the songs. He uh, says, I listen to the song club too and will be a patron soon. Bob caught your Philly and Brooklyn shows recently. The new material was awesome. Uh, wish more Brooklyn was packed, which was awesome, but wish more people would come to the World Cafe in Philly. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Let's see, I picked up one of those postcards advertising the podcast. Old and new media collide. Wanted to drop a line and say thank you for what you do. Been listening to you since 2004. I never thought I'd to intend a show until a buddy found out that I was a fan, and we both attended Sellersville, PA, one cold evening in March. I'll try to never miss another show. All the best, Jim Anchor. P.S. I like the new cold opening on the past two podcasts. You were together in Nashville and the Ghosts of a Moonbeam. P.P.S. Clint, I have met up your podcast on my list. Fun to hear and learn. Metallica, while not on my playlist, I've always had respect for them. P.P.P.S. No, you said keep messages short, but I couldn't stop. So thanks, James. I guess he came and saw you in Philly, and he likes all your new shit. He mentioned some of these songs. In a Room Full of Blood, Joey's Song, Sun's Coming. These are all new tunes of yours? They'll all be on the next record. Oh, P.P.P.P.P.P.P.S. They'll all be on the new record. Okay, P.P.P.P.P.P.P.P.S. If you need me to play guitars on it, just let me know. Thanks. P P P P P P P P P P P P P P S. I will definitely let you know. P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P S. I just made a P P. P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P P. I did too. That's what it's devolved to. Is talking about woke culture and cancel culture, and and then it just comes down to P P. Dude, what if every if you had a conversation with somebody, but every time. Like the new world order was like you had to say P, you had to do PS and then add the P's for every time you added a new sentence. People would stop talking to each other pretty quickly. Yeah, we'd go down to we'd go down to basic civilization immediately, almost. Yeah. Well, we need to get out of here. Is there anything you'd like to say to these wonderful people who listen to us every week before we splitsies? Well, I feel like we still got we got like two minutes. Do we? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm looking at the clock now, and it says 29 minutes and 27 seconds. Uh, I'm looking at it, and it looks like we got about, maybe it's a minute. Well, what should we tell the people on our way out? Should they go listen to other things? Uh Oh, like recommendation? Oh, dude, I started, uh, let me recommend this book I started reading. It's so good. I got it from the New York Times bestseller list. Oh, wow, so you know it's good. Well, it just... I, None of that shit know. means anything, by the way. That's all bought. Well, it wasn't. It was. It was uh, recommended books from the New York Times. Mm-hmm. What is this called? God damn it! It's called the Very Hungry Caterpillar. Oh, it's called Exhalation, dude. It's so good. Okay, let me look. It's this written up. by Ted Ted Chiang, C H I A N G. Um, God damn it! It's so great. I'm bringing it up right now to check it out. Let's see what this is about. Stories. Ted Chiang is a collection. Story collection. Go ahead. Go ahead. You go ahead. Fantastical story collection insists that while technology can't end the human spirit, it can certainly complicate it. Hmm. It's just. It's one of those. It's one of those where he he plays with with time travel 
and it, and he does it like in a sort of let's look at all angles of time travel and, and but then he does it but it's like it happens back in the day like it's not futuristic it's kind of like years ago or something like hg wells time travel it's really cool this is for real i'm looking at the amazon page and this is one of the sponsored products related to this item my daddy the pedophile a memoir (laughs) well i guess we should end on that note oh by the way i'm reading catch and kill uh the ronan farrow book about him investigating harvey weinstein and how harvey weinstein basically tried to intimidate and threaten him and destroy his life because he was uh doing an expose on his uh, sexual assault so that's also on the New York Times bestseller list, although that doesn't mean anything. Um, we got to go. I got to get out of here. Yeah, yeah. I go check you. out the Song Club. Go check out Metal Up Your Podcast. Leave that positive review and send us an email, bobandclint at gmo.com. We'll see you on the flip flop. Peace. 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 <laughs>